Yo, Cardinal Cast. Harry Swales is a very good friend of mine. Um, I love this guy to death. He is uh, extremely funny. He's very well-traveled, and he knows a lot about business. He's been doing this for a very long time, even though he's only 21 years old. A lot to learn here. This is a longer episode for a reason. We couldn't stop talking. I had to end it because I had, a, I had something to do. But listen to this. You're going to absolutely love it. This is Harry Swales. Check him out. Cardinal Cast. Oh, man. Harry Swales. One of my favorite people in the entire world. This yes, is, sir. We, we got a good one such today. A bullshit podcast, bro. This is going to be so stupid. Hopefully people like this because like this is going to be mostly us like diving into the um, the interesting life that you have that you've created as an entrepreneur. Um, but also like just us kind of like really just talking shit. That's what I'm hoping it will be. It will um, be. It will be. It'll be fun. I yeah, think people man. will like it. Introduce yourself. Who are you, dude? Who am I? I am Harry Swales. I am a 21-year-old entrepreneur and life liver. I just, I don't know. I like to have fun. I like to do some online business stuff. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm in the beautiful Austin, Texas, living on Lake Travis right now. Soon to be traveling again. Um, and that's pretty much it. Dude, we had so much fun in Austin. Did you show yeah. me Lake Travis? Uh, we saw Lake Austin. Austin's weird. There are like three lakes that are all actually one lake, but different parts of them are called different things. So I don't think we saw Lake Travis. We saw Lake Austin, though. Austin's so is, a sick city. Is Texas just full of lakes that are named after hillbilly males? Pretty much. Yeah. I think Travis. There are a handful of like lakes named after presidents here, but they were the hillbilly presidents like Travis Lyndon Parker. B. Johnson. Like <laughs> there's no like Barack Obama Lake. It's not like it's all the rednecks that became presidents. They get a lake here. <laughs> That's how it works. Why do you love Austin so much? Just feels like home, man. Just feels like home, you know? All right. All right. All right. I was born and raised in Houston. So like, I'm a Texas kid through and through. I love the warm weather. The people in Texas are all friendly, like super chill. Um, and I like big cities with like a lot of shit going on. Austin's really young. The nature here is beautiful and dope, which is a big part of my life. The people are awesome. The food is awesome. There's a huge college here. I went to UT for like three semesters. Um, I've got a bunch of friends here kind of because of that and like just meeting people. I don't know. Austin's cool. But I thought I was ready to move back here for a year and I have decided I'm definitely not ready to move back here because I lived here for basically a year and a half while I was in school, but I wasn't really in school. Like I was mostly just working um, so I could leave school and I like I explored Austin a lot, but by the end of a year and a half, Austin felt really small and it felt like I had done most of the stuff I would want to do in Austin already. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm 21. I run an online business and I have nothing tying me down. So I might as well just go travel. So I went and traveled for like 10 months. And then after that, I was like, okay, I should go back to Austin because I like it and get an apartment for a year and like focus and work but now i've been back here for six weeks almost and it's just boring dude you're bored like, already yeah it's a dope city but i get bored super easily 
and I'm just bored. So I'm going to go travel more. I already had plans. Like I was already going to travel more because I already had plans like New York city this summer and stuff like that. Yeah. I think after that, I'm just going to keep traveling. We, I, I had too much fun traveling. Like, and if, when I'm disciplined enough, I, I can still grow businesses while I travel. You can grow businesses. You can operate where you're at. I can grow businesses. Okay. I think I can acquire clients as I travel and continue to scale. Now, I don't think I could run like a million dollar a month business while I'm traveling and like doing whatever I want to do. But I also don't want to run a million dollar a month business. You don't? No, not right now. Eventually, for sure. But like at right now in the next two years, definitely not. Because that's like you just practically to do that, you have to work a lot. And I don't want to work a lot. I want to have a lot of fun while I'm super healthy, young, 21 year old that can do whatever he wants. This is the dilemma that I think you and me and a lot of people face often. Um, and actually, it's so funny because I, I ended up talking about this with you um, probably a month or two ago, um, where it's like, you have the choice. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Do you want to be as rich as possible as fast as you can? Or do you want to sort of sit in the middle, make mid six figures a year and do whatever you want? Um, I think like for a single guy who like doesn't blow too much money on lifestyle, which like I think you're pretty good about that. Yeah. You don't really need a lot of money to live the life that you want to live. And you can work like, I don't know, what do you work right now? Like 10, 15 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some weeks it fluctuates so much. Some weeks I like don't work. And then some weeks, like when I do want to close a new NFT deal and stuff, like I will put in time and try to work. Okay. So you, let's talk about what I'm working on. Let's talk about your work schedule and your like work. I want to say mindset, but it's more than that. Um, You came to Austin um, a couple months ago to sort of be in like monk mode or Mm -hmm. your version of monk mode. Mm -hmm. Um, And you are sort of like one of those optimizer types where it's like, I saw a tweet from you the other day. You were like, okay, I'm going to test this out. I'm going to see what it's like to um, work late into the night and sleep as late as I want into the day and then do my day first and then work starting at like, what was it like 5 p.m. to midnight? Yeah. Um, Didn't work. Miserable failure. Why? Uh, I just felt horrible like during the day and like I I wasn't getting as much work done as I thought I could at night. Like I would work from like, I don't know, five to like eight or nine really well. And then nine would roll around and I would get tired, which like maybe I didn't give my body enough time to really adjust to this new schedule and get the sleep stuff figured out. Mm -hmm. But it was a failure. Like I only tried it for three days, I think. But the reason I tried to do that was one night I did stay up late and got a lot of work done. And I was like, damn, like I missed this because I used to do that in college because I had 8 a.m. classes. I finessed my schedule. So like two of the three semesters in college, 
I pretty much only had classes Tuesdays and Thursdays, but Tuesdays and Thursdays were stacked. I had classes from like 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. So like all I'd do those days was schoolwork and I'd try to do all my homework, all my studying those days and stuff. And I was working with a couple of business partners and I told them like, yo, Tuesday, Thursday, I'm not going to work. Um, so I would just do school. So then I had five days a week to like do business work. Um, and I would like stay up till one, like midnight or one working every single night. And it just worked. Like I would, I was really creative after like 8 PM, I would like come up with great ideas and do great work through like the first half of the night. Um, but I was also operating with so much less sleep. Now my body's really used to like eight or nine hours of sleep every night mm -hmm. in high school and college. I was getting like five or six hours of sleep every night and operating well, which I don't really understand like how I did that, but I did. I think everyone did like, it's kind of wild. I was definitely caffeinated like every day and now I don't consume any caffeine at all. Um, but it was a wild time and I thought that would work again, but it didn't. So now I'm like, I'm back at a pretty chill schedule, like waking up around eight and trying to work through the morning and then kind of doing whatever I want in the afternoon, evening. I think that's a healthy way to do it. I think like that's what mornings are kind of for. Like, yeah. I think like there is something that's sort of wired into us. It doesn't really matter how old it is. I don't know if it's from when we were cavemen or from like three to 500 years ago, but I think like there's something about us that like feels the need to do some shit productive in the morning along with everyone else. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like primally, like back with cavemen shit, like you could only work during the day, right? Like when the sun came up, you could start working because you could see like cavemen couldn't see shit once the sun went down at like 7 8 p.m and, and you can't really work in the dark and people were working in the morning because it's like not super hot yet where it's like God. at 1 to 4 p.m you know like the sun is at its peak you're getting yeah. eaten down but like from 6 to like 10 a.m it's still cool enough where like you can go out and do your shit and then like whatever right yeah especially out here bro it like by two in the afternoon it's like over 100 degrees every day in the summer but you gotta be used to that i mean like you spent how, however long in mexico it's hot as shit there dude even in january when it almost snowed in miami and it snowed in texas it was like 90 degrees every single day in mexico yeah are, are you like are you just a natural like love like, the warm sun yeah i i love the sun dude I get like, I don't know if it's like a real thing. You've heard of sad, like seasonal depression or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Like when it's rainy and like gray and shit, you like just are sad. Like mm -hmm. I get that. I have the worst days when it's rainy and stuff. Um, I love the sun. I love the heat. Like I go hike probably three or four days a week and I'll just go like hike for an hour and a half shirtless, like sipping on my water listening to a podcast or something in 100 degree heat unfazed like sure. when it, when it drops below 50 i'm like i'm not with it yeah. yeah i can't do the cold the only reason i'll go somewhere cold is to snowboard um like it's worth it for me in that 
case. But like besides that, I just won't go anywhere cold. A hundred percent. Like I'm super hyped to go spend almost a month in New York City this summer because I know like they're probably four or five months every year that I could spend time in New York city and not be miserable. And like, that's right in the middle of the summer. So that's, that's the same for Canada where it's like between the months of like, it's like late May to like late September is when you get um, like the best weather. But like after that, it's, it's just shitty, bro. It's shit. Um, So like kind of what I'm doing is like trying to find an environment that's like Canada where I live, except it doesn't get nearly as cold. I'm fine with 50 degrees. I could live like that. I don't know what that is Celsius. So I don't even know what 50 feels like. Was that like 14, 15, something like that? Regardless, like know. that's like, I don't know. I just, I can't do snow, bro. Yeah. I don't even know how to snowboard. Yeah. Real we quick though. teach you how to snowboard. Oh yeah. Back, back to, um, back to what you're talking about when you were like pushing those major hours when you were in school. Um, do you ever kind of look back on like that level of intensity or that work ethic that you had at the very beginning and you like kind of get envious of yourself where it's like every fucking day dude i know i know i can do it but my brain isn't letting me because i've done it before i know that i can why don't i have that now you get yeah, that dude and i've had those like i've had some like really really bad days where you go down that negative spiral of just like negative self-thought because of that because like I know, like, I spent years, like, two and a half years, probably, working all day, every day, like, ungodly hours, not making much money, like, putting in insane effort that I wouldn't wish on any human being. And now I, like, I struggle some days to get myself to work for, like, an hour or two hours. Like, it's pathetic. Um, And it, it was just, like internal drive based on external factors i think that like i cannot manufacture it was like the i hated school so much like i would make i would wake up in the morning and be miserable knowing that i have to go to class and like do homework and do all this pointless shit that i knew would never help me in life and i knew like i just knew it and i would tell my parents like this is such a waste of time like can I do online school and just finish high school early or something and like work on drop shipping, which like to them sounded like the most ludicrous thing ever, which I understand. Like I, I get that it wasn't easy for them to understand or comprehend. And it was super risky and like a dumb idea. Like it sounded really stupid for me to be like, yo, can I drop out of this really good private high school that I'm at finish high school online so I can try to sell Chinese products on Shopify that I never see that get shipped to customers and shipping takes 38 days. Like <laughs> the whole concept is ludicrous. So I understand why they said absolutely not just finish high school and then go to college. Um, but that like hatred I had for school and just me being miserable every day lit this insane fire that fueled this worth work ethic the like I had to bust my ass every day so I could make enough money to take care of myself so I could leave school. And like, there's no way to manufacture that. Like 
I, I don't wake up miserable every day. I wake up happy every day now, which is unreal. Like it's a blessing and I'm so happy. But when you wake up happy every day, like I don't wake up complacent or satisfied. Like I still do want to grow businesses and make more money and do more stuff. But like, there's nothing really, really, really pushing me to like bust my ass all day, every day. Like there used to be. And yeah, I get envious. I'm like, I just wish there was something like that. Yeah. Do you you have the same feeling? Right now? No, not at all. I think right now I'm more on than I've been in a long time, which like is, is like a recent thing for me. Like I was not like this at all in when we met in Texas. Yeah. I didn't want to fucking work. And I was working with people that I didn't really want to work with. Like that was in the early days of the agency where it was like, I was taking on clients that were just straight up, not a good fit. And like, I was doing all of the work cause I just needed money. Yeah. And now we're in a different place where it's like, it's a, it's more of a product now and I can oversee it and just be the builder instead of like doing stuff day to day. And now I have this, this motivation, which I haven't, like I said, I haven't had in a while, which is like, I see a very clear path to where I'm at now to multi six figures a month. Yeah. And before I didn't have that. So I was fine brute forcing my way to like 50, 60 K a month, which is like, that's amazing. Like if you're making that much, taking that home, you're good. Like you, you're not going to need anything. Right. But now it's like, and we talked about this too. I kind of go in and out of this, but right now I'm like in it right now where it's like, I I'm willing to spend to grow where it's like, I can cap myself at a certain salary, reinvest that money back into the businesses that I'm running and then use that money to just watch the number go up. It's not about making me richer, really. Yeah. It's about seeing how far I can take this. Yeah. And just seeing like, okay, we hit this benchmark, we hit this. Um, but like, dude, like when you're when you're starting out, and this is kind of when I had that like intense motivation in the beginning where it was like, you have to find out how you're going to solve your money problem, which is mm-hmm. you need to pay rent, you need to get food in your fridge, you need to keep the lights on, all this stuff that like most most humans deal with between the ages of 25 to 55, right? Mm-hmm. That's very common. But when you crack that, when you figure that out at like 20 or 19, like you're probably younger in your case, yeah. like it's just not a thing that you need to worry about anymore. And so like your human problems are gone. And one thing that I think like, one way of thinking about it that I, that I think may benefit everybody is like you don't have to play the same business game that everyone else is playing and i think this is also what we talked about where it's like as long as you're making enough to do what you want to do that's fine you don't need to have a business that does millions of dollars a year like you could probably live a way happier life making mid to high six figures working like an hour or two a day when you feel like it um traveling and seeing shit and just doing the stuff that you want to do and meeting people and going to like different cities and like, you know, meeting, meeting like the people that you admire and stuff like that. It doesn't have to be like this race to 10 mil that everyone thinks it is. And like, if you want to play that, like, great. I'm kind of playing too. And if you don't, like you don't have to, have you changed your mind about that? Um, in the last few months or years? I mean, there are like there are a lot of factors i think so i had i have actually had real intensity and done a lot of real focused work for different like 
parts of the last year. So like when I launched Scale Hire, like there were two months. Rest in peace. <laughs> there were like two months where I worked all day every day on Scale Hire. Or like not all day every day, but almost all day every day. Um, and it was just like it was a failed project. Like you take shots and sometimes they miss and we missed. Like could it have been successful if I kept working on it every day for like the next year? Probably like that. I would have been miserable. I was not down to do that. So we, we pulled the plug and like, I mean, that was that like, but during those two months, I actually worked with crazy intensity. Um, I was working a ton. So I know like I still do have it in me when I'm passionate about a project and like want to see it succeed. Um, and like I make that my main focus and then with early internet kids the first few months as well like I was working a ton on that um and I'm still working on internet kids um the intensity is definitely not as high as it was in the early days for sure mm-hmm. um but I did have a lot of intensity for like a couple months with that as well um just to get it off the ground to get the first couple of batches done the first couple seasons and like make it a real project Um, and now that it's like a little more established and we've got a bigger community and stuff, like it doesn't have to be as intense. Um, but also like, I feel like my mood and what I want out of life in certain times changes frequently. And I think that's fine. Like if I want to go travel right now for the next six months and then like in six months, I decide like. I want to take a sprint, go back into monk mode and just like grow this NFT agency that I'm kind of working on and like decide to stay in one city for six months and just work like then I'll just stay somewhere and work. And if I go travel for six months and have a blast and like realize I don't need to make a ton of money right now and it's not a big priority and I'd rather go like keep traveling and go on adventures and do cool shit, then I'll just keep doing that. Um, but yeah, I think I kind of figured out how to make money, like an amount to take care of myself and kind of live a decent life when I was 18, maybe 19. And after that point, it's just like, you kind of choose whatever you want to do. Like given my choices, if I want to go travel full time and be adventurous and do fun shit, like I'm not going to get rich but I'm okay with that because like during that time, I feel like I'm like getting rich in life and memories and experiences. Like I'm living a very, very full life, even though I'm not making 200 K a month, like some of our buddies are. Um, and I'm cool with that. And there'll probably be times in my life when I'm like tired of traveling and want to settle down and chill and just work for a while. And I'll work for a year, two years, three years, five years, whatever. And like scale a business to do a hundred K a month, 200 K a month, like a mil a month, whatever. Um, I think it just depends on like what you want to do at that time. You've always been really good at sort of tuning out external feedback and it doesn't seem like you, you have any sort of, pressure based on what people around you are doing where like we're in a community of people that are all kind of doing one thing like they're traveling down a certain lane like it's we're all like it's all agency dudes i feel like 
Like yeah. most of most of our friends, I don't know. You have some really good e-commerce friends, but like everyone is kind of like in grind mode right now, or like when people aren't in grind mode, like you're just not affected by it. Like what? How does that? And that's not just business, by the way. Like people don't know, but like you have really good self-discipline and mm-hmm. like and like confidence in your decisions across like almost everything you do. Like where yeah. does that come from? And like how 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 can you develop that if you had to like start over? This takes me straight back to that talk in Mexico after the club at the taco restaurant. Um, I don't know, dude. Like, I think it was the same answer back then. I don't know where that came from. I think maybe it's how my parents raised me or just like genetic, like wired in my brain. But like, I really don't give a shit what other people think. And I I don't know how, like, how, how I don't care about it or why or any of that stuff. But I think it's the single biggest blessing I have in my life. Cause I think it's fucking sick that we have homies that are like making six figures profit a month. That's dope. I think would be really cool to do that for myself, but also at this time right now, like, I think it would be way cooler to go to Bali for a month and just like get really good at surfing and train jujitsu and not make a hundred K a month. Like, and I don't care if they look at that and they're like, dude, like what's wrong with you? You're not even trying to scale your business right now. Like if you're not getting new clients every month, like you're failing and like, dude, I'm surfing on the beach and training and like, having the best time of my life and you're on your computer all day every day like i don't give a shit how much money you're making or i'm making like i don't know and and then there are times where like i want to sit down behind my computer all day every day and and try to make a bunch of money for myself too and i don't care what other people are doing at all like because it just doesn't affect me like i think a big thing with me deciding to drop out was this mindset shift of like, I need to take control of my life and all this stuff. Like the only thing that really matters to me at the end of the day is my life, like, which sounds selfish, but I don't mean it in like a selfish way. Like I care about my friends a lot. I care about my family a lot. Um, that's not what I mean. What I mean is like my decisions should only really be based on impacting my life, my big decisions. So like whether I decide to like stay in one city and devote the next year of my life to really focus deep work to make money, like what's that for? Is it because I want to make money for me? Like, is it because I want to buy a house for my family in the future? That's a great reason to make that decision. But am I deciding to stay in Texas and like not be happy and work, but make a ton of money just because my buddy Luke Alexander's making a hundred K a month and I need to like catch up to him. Like that's a dumbass reason (laughs) to like have a shitty year, even if I make a ton of money when I could decide to go like have way more fun doing whatever I want to do. And I just don't give a shit what Luke's doing. Like, I love Luke. We he's love Luke. Homie. We love Luke. I love Luke. He's a we homie. Dude. And I'm he's just rich. That's all. That's all yeah. I'm proud of him, dude. Like he grinds his ass off and makes a bunch of money, which is fucking fire. But I also don't give a shit. Like that's not going to affect any of my decisions at all. And I think 
some of the stuff you were mentioning that people don't know about, I'm happy to talk about it. Like I don't drink at all. I don't vape at all. Um, and I've hung out with like <laughs> some big G's and like, like nobody can pressure me into drinking at all. No matter like how cool you think you are and you can call me a pussy for not drinking and like talk shit. Like, I don't care. It just doesn't affect me at all. Like if you think I'm a pussy for not drinking, I think you're actually an idiot. Like you gotta be pretty dumb to like think that to be mad or like be affected by someone else's decision to not do something. It's kind of crazy. I will um, say though, um, on the not drinking thing, by the way, I'm going to get you addicted to vaping one day, bro. Just fucking wait, just wait. Dude, next see, year. this is like, this is oh. a joke because you <laughs> yeah, literally could not get me to hit like a vape. I just yeah. won't do it. I, I know. And I, I'm, I'm fucking with you. I won't make you do it. But in terms of drinking, I think that, and like, yo, I've, I'm sure that I've been guilty of that too. Maybe not with you, but like, there's been nights where like, I've been, you know, wanting to like go out and like have a few and maybe I'm with someone that's not feeling it. I'm like, come on, come on. The only reason I think I do that is because like, I like, yeah, I, I mean, it is kind of selfish in a way where it's like, I would have more fun if you had a hangover tomorrow too. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? You want and like the, inclusion with, with the homies. Yeah. I just want you to be in the moment with, with, yeah. with me. But I think like, and yo, I'm, I'm realizing this too, that it's like, the ROI on like one night out is is not that high. Like I, I I remember like the last time I got really drunk was like probably in Miami, which is like beginning of April, which like feels like forever ago now. The ROI of a night out in like 99% of cases is always negative. Like it's not that it's not high, it's that it's negative. Like I don't I think it doesn't add to your life in most cases. Now there are some where it does. Like if you go out and you meet someone or like you're partying with people and then you like build a real connection with them and like that either turns into a friendship or a business relationship. Like I think there are some times where it can have a positive ROI, mm -hmm. but number one, you can do that without getting drunk or you can do that without drinking. Like in Mexico, those three nights in a row when we went out, like I went out every night and had a ton of fun and just drank water the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like I could, if we happened to go out and meet some like other crazy entrepreneur and like made a business connection at the club, like some of these clowns say they do all the time. I think it's so funny that guys like talk about going out to clubs for networking. <laughs> like, dude, some guys like actually think that's like the best way to meet other entrepreneurs. They're like, yeah, dude, when I'm out at the club and I see other guys like at a table, like they're high status. That That's G shit. Like I go meet them and that's how I like form business deals. Like I'm sure you can meet other successful guys out for sure. But I think that shit's funny. Yeah. Like, I Bro, the only, I mean, like, it's so funny that like the one night that we went out in Austin was for business. We, yeah. met those, we met those girls that work on behalf of blank company that we're not going to talk about. And we didn't even end up cutting a deal. So it was like a complete, that was the only reason I went to Austin in the first place <laughs> yeah, was, <kind laughs> was to talk to the founder of this company that lives in Austin and we were going to work out a deal. 
And then by the time I got there, me and Swell were having a grand old time. We were in Houston and then drove down to Austin. And my goal was to meet this guy. And then I messaged him like when I was there, he was like, hey, bro, sorry, I'm out of town for the next couple of days. I'm like, all right, well, I'll see you in 2028 when I come back to Austin, I guess. <laughs> and then so I, we ended up getting in touch with his like number two and number three girls that work on his team. And they were like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's work together. And then never did. And that we I don't think we didn't drink, do we? Did I drink? Um, I mean, I, I know I didn't. I don't. I know you, you did. You had one drink or something. Either you had one or none. Like you definitely didn't get drunk. I bought shots for everybody else. Yeah, I know you bought stuff. I don't know if you drank or or not. But like, I was. We only went out for like an hour. It was. I don't know. It was actually fun. I had fun. I enjoyed it too. I just liked like I don't really go out in Austin, and it was cool to like go out in Austin. On Dirty Six. Yeah. Dude, I think it was interesting how like neither of us had a drop of alcohol in Austin. And like, that was probably one of the best trips I've taken all year. That was a fun weekend. It was like, it was, it was a ridiculous weekend. Like the fact that we ran into the like music festival, dude, Sasha. Um, oh was, yeah. Talk about that. Who that was so that? cool. So, so yeah, yeah, I I've talked about this a little bit on like the internet kids podcast. I started like taking photos and videos at concerts in high school when I was like 14 or 15, I like quit sports. I was planning to do it on the weekends and like met a bunch of cool rappers and all this stuff. So I basically found out what company runs a bunch of the music festivals in Texas and like found the name of the company, found like the head of marketing and head of the video team and DM'd them both on like Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I, I hit them everywhere. Um, and we basically, it was like cat and mouse. Like I'd hit them up when I was like 16 and was like, yo, can I help out? Blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, we'd love to have you come help at a show. But like, you've got to be 18 to work on our, on our team. Like it's just company policy. When I was 18, I hit them. I was like, yo, can I come help? I'm 18 now. And they're like, dude, it would be sick. But like our media team for this year is full already. Like blah, blah, blah. Eventually 2019, I get a call like, two days before Astroworld in Houston. And I was already going to the festival. Like I had a ticket. I was just going to go for fun. And they were like, yo, a spot opened up on our video team. We need someone to help. Like, would you be down to come out to the festival and like work on the video team? And at this point, I wasn't really shooting shows anymore. I was way more into the marketing business stuff and like taking photos and videos doesn't really make you much money. So I'd stopped all that, but I was like, dude, it's Astro World, like Travis Scott's festival. The lineup was crazy, of course. So I went back, I shot the show, like it was dope. And I told the marketing dude after the festival, like, yo, this was unreal. I'd love to like help out and stay involved. I don't really do photo video stuff much anymore, but I do like a lot of marketing stuff. So if you ever need help with any of that, like, let me know. Um, And we kind of just stayed in touch over like, the next two years we would get like coffee or lunch every four or five months we'd meet up a couple times a year um and he just kind of stayed like in the loop with what i was doing like scaling my own paid ad agency and like when i got into the nft stuff like a year ago or stuff i was starting to talk to him about that um and maybe three months ago he hit me up and he was like yo dreamville music festival is coming up in like a month and a half 
we need some help on the digital ad stuff and marketing. Would you be down to help? And I was like, of course. So I start working with them a week passes, two weeks pass. And then I'm in Austin with Mason and we're eating at my favorite restaurant in Austin called Loro. Um, and I see these dudes walk out and I just recognized one of them. And I like, I didn't fully know in my brain right at that moment who he was, but like, I just waved at him and like started saying his name and then it clicked. I remembered his name, Sasha. And I was like, yo, are you Sasha? And he's like, yeah, yeah. What's up? And he like walked out with these guys and he's like, yo, I'll be back in one sec. Came back. And I was like, yo, I'm Harry. Like we haven't talked, but I work for you as of like a week ago. And he was like, oh no shit, Harry, like Grant, our marketing guy has been telling me all about you. Like, that's sick. Like, it's good to meet you, dude. Like, what are you doing here? Just hanging out. And we ended up talking for like, what, two hours probably. And yeah. this dude like runs a very, very large um, promoting company. He was a manager. He was Tory Lane's manager for like 10 years. Um, he, he runs the company that ran Astroworld, Dreamville Music Festival, all sorts of like big, big festivals. Um, and they do a bunch of shows. They do like 200 concerts a year or something crazy. They just announced a new tour they're doing with Kehlani. They do Gunna and Young Thugs tour. Like he's a big deal in the concert world. Um, and he just sat with us and chopped it up about marketing and crypto and NFTs and copywriting and all this bullshit for like two hours. I convinced the dude to buy Solana. He buys <laughs> a bunch of Solana at like $120. I get a text from him like, a week ago and he's like what the fuck is going on with solana harry because it went from like 120 to like 50 bucks <laughs> so now i'm in hot water with buddy but it's all yeah. good no it's crazy like we he was like he was like at the table he like grabbed one of his three phones and he was like oh yeah i should buy solana and he just placed an order for like he bought like a bunch of different ones that you told him to buy and yeah just like, and he was like what do you think about cardano and i was like i hate cardano I, like it sucks blah 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 and he's like, okay, dope. I just sold all my Cardano. I'm going to put that into Solana, I think. And I was like, yo, you're a madman. But yeah. but he, I'm, he's a really smart dude. Um, so he wasn't like, he wasn't taking a bunch of risk and stuff. I um, feel like you've had a lot of like, sort of like really cool coincidental relationships with a lot of people like that. I have, bro. It's wild. This is why I don't stress about business. Like, even during times when business is slow, like I've talked to you and Ben over the last few weeks and I just like haven't closed any deals and like business has been slow, but it's like th this evening I'm talking to the CEO of this music NFT company that just raised like several million dollars because I happen to be like best friends with this dude's brother's co-founder or like some three connections off. And like, I'm talking to him tonight and we might work together. Like, who knows? That could be some huge deal. That's just like the most random, like serendipitous, like relationship that's coming through. Um, mm -hmm. It's crazy. I've also like, I ran ads for Dan Bilzerian's company for like a few months because I ran ads for this brand that like, 
a VC firm owns part of this brand and the VC firm also owned like part of Dan Bilzerian's like men's care line or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I did a great job for the other brand. So they're like, Hey, can we hire you to do ads for Dan Bilzerian's brand as well? Like it's the most random shit ever, but I think it just comes down to like doing good work, always trying to help people and just networking. Like I know a ton of people um, in different industries. And like, when you know a ton of people, cool, random opportunities and connections just kind of happen. That's really interesting. Um, let's switch gears a bit. I want to talk about your transition into web three. So you, you started selling fucking candy to middle school, middle schoolers when you were in middle school, that was your what first business. Oh no. Okay, but you were doing you were doing uh, brick and mortar B two C candy um, in middle school out of your backpack. Yeah, that was the first one that made real money. But I did all sorts of little shit before that. When I was four years old, I started a uh, a uh, life coaching business. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, I I have a thread on this. I asked my mom. My mom's like a parenting and marriage counselor she's got a phd really smart and she helps people that like have relationship troubles and parenting issues and she's really good at it but i asked her when i was like four like what do you do mom and she like how do you explain to a four-year-old that you're a parenting and marriage counselor so she just said she was an issue solver she's like parents come to me with issues and i solve them and then she left And I grabbed a piece of paper and wrote issue solver 10 cents or like half price issue solver or some shit on a piece of paper and taped it to my bedroom door. And I would charge my parents like a quarter to solve their issues. Um, (laughs) And like, bro, ever since that day, I swear I've been scheming to make a buck. Like that was the start of it. And then I like went out in my backyard that summer when I lived, I lived in Virginia for like two or three years but I would go out to these wild blackberry bushes and pick all the blackberries get like spiked with thorns and shit and then mash them up and call it blackberry jam and like go try to sell it to our neighbors. And it was just smushed blackberries. Like shit was ass, but these neighbors (laughs) would pay me like a dollar for this little bag of smushed blackberries. And it was the coolest thing ever, but I did all like, I did 50 of those, like all sorts of little bullshit. But yeah, selling candy to kids in middle school was like the first one where I would make like a hundred bucks a week or something that it was like, I was making like actual money, not like a dollar or $5 here or there. Gotcha. Okay. Um, So I I did that. When you were doing that, sorry, I took that to high school. So I just did that all through middle school and it was making good money. So I was like, this has to work in high school too. Right. And you got wedgied and swirly. Nah, dude, I was slinging candy. I went to a private high school too. So these kids just had money. Like their parents would give them allowance of like, I don't know, a hundred bucks a week or to spend on whatever they wanted. And so they just come to school with like cash and like every freshman in high school, that's like what 14 wants to buy candy. Like who doesn't want sour patch watermelons and jolly ranchers and all that bullshit 100 so, we'll put the link to that youtube video in the show notes yeah dude cash kid <laughs> yeah bro that's so funny like i'm so glad i have those videos they're videos from like 
I don't know, seven or eight years ago that are me like explaining how to make money selling candy at school. It's literally like guru videos. I was like, I called myself cash kid and I was like, cash kid here. These are the top five candies to sell in middle school. Make sure it's not against your school rules or if it is be sneaky. And (laughs) these are my top five candies. Like the videos still exist. You won't find them though. They're all private. Maybe I'll drop them a winning product. Dude, I think I'm going to put those couple videos, I have three of them, into a Gumroad course and sell it for like to 100 wa- bucks. To watch you. Why don't you just put it in the Internet Kids Discord? They've yeah, all paid you enough that. money, haven't they, Swales? Yeah, they have. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so you were scheming until you were selling candy, and then you started doing some media stuff, doing photo video, and then you were in, you were doing some dropshipping. You were jumping around doing different marketing things. You were doing Facebook ads for a little while. Um, and then you did, a, you had a SaaS and then you did an NFT. And now you're fully immersed in the Web3 world doing NFT builds for direct to consumer brands. Um, yeah. It seems Creators, like you made a big switch. Brands, everyone that wants to launch an NFT project that isn't full of shit. Mm. We don't do rug pulls. We don't do bozos that just want to make a quick cash grab. But yeah. So you, you work with creators? Yeah, we do work with creators. Okay. I have an intro for you after we're done here, but that'd be um, beautiful. Yeah. I didn't know that. But so completely different landscape. Yeah. Like you're in the metaverse eight hours yeah. a day, 40 hours a week. Like how different, if at all, is the Web3 project stuff? compared to when you're doing Facebook ads and stuff in the real world, the non-metaverse. So different, dude. Um, And this has been like a part of why I've had a slow like month or two and haven't really been closing too many deals and all that. Like building stuff in web three is really challenging still because it is really early. Like if you think of how many people are actually in NFTs, it's not very many. Like, normal people still don't care about nfts don't know how they work don't buy them um so the ecosystems like it's large like there are definitely hundreds of thousands of active nft traders but it's still small because like hundreds of thousands of customers in a whole market or like maybe a couple million is still really tiny um and like i don't know with crypto super volatile so there's been a downturn recently so like just getting deals done in the web3 space is challenging it's also hard to like sell this service right now because it's not super popular and it's hard to find the people that want it so like if you run a service for like ecom brand owners like i used to do facebook ads or if you do copywriting um it's like you can, it's not hard to find brand owners and get in touch with them. Like look up cold email wizard on Twitter and buy his course and go through it. He'll teach you how to like find the emails and scrape them or buy lists of like all these brand owners or whatever type of business people. And then you can just reach out to them. The thing is like, that's easy. It's like, who wants to launch an NFT project right now? Like, yeah, there are a bunch of creators that do, there are a bunch of brand owners that do, but it's like one in every 2000 brand owners, like wants to launch an NFT project. 
Now, if you zoom out and look at how many brands are there in the world, they're, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000. So like there are thousands of people that want to launch NFT projects, but they're so few and far between that it's like, how do you even find them? Um, so like working in the space, building an agency in the space is really challenging. Um, I thought about like building a marketing agency in the space as well. And that's just so hard. Cause like the only marketing you can do is TikTok organic or Twitter organic, sorry, not TikTok. And it's like not Twitter organic, like us growing our personal brand where you just have to write like really good threads about like business or whatever, tell cool stories and stuff. It's like different, like NFT marketing on Twitter, like has a lot of mystery and like storytelling and like you have to manufacture hype, which is a lot harder than like telling good stories and putting out good content to create an audience. Like it's, it's really different. Um, so it's just super hard to do. I think that'll change. I think the NFT ecosystem as like more normal people get into it, which I'll talk about how I think that's going to happen. I think everything that we see in like normal online business will start to carry over to web three. So I think paid ads for like crypto stuff and NFTs will become more of a thing pretty soon in the next year or two. Um, which is like when I might think about expanding my services to like marketing in the NFT space, because I can rope paid, paid ads. Um, but I think like NFT adoption in the mainstream is going to come with a few things. Number one is it being easy for people to understand and use NFTs. So like getting a MetaMask wallet and buying Ethereum on Binance or Coinbase and then sending it there and then connecting it to a website and then minting, like all that shit's too complicated. You need to be able to just buy an NFT with a credit card and like put in your email, put in your credit card, and then you get the NFT. That infrastructure is built but it's not being used by a ton of NFT launches yet. And as more use that, I think we'll get more adoption from like mainstream non-crypto heads. Um, and then I think huge brands launching NFT projects is what's really going to push adoption. So like Starbucks announced last week that they're like kind of changing their loyalty program on their app to use NFTs a lot more. They're slowly doing it. They're rolling it out over time and like trying to make sure people understand how it works and stuff like that. But like when Starbucks that has, I think like 20 or 30 million people use their app on a weekly basis or monthly basis, when they get 20 or 30 million people to start using NFTs through their app, like that's how you see mainstream adoption. Nike's doing it, Adidas, like all these other huge brands. Um, I think when that happens, we'll see mainstream adoption. And I think that'll be in the next couple of years. And then the market for like building an agency in the NFT space will be way easier. Marketing in the space will be way easier and stuff like that. So right now it's tough. Like I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I'm just super interested in it and passionate about it. Um, and that's why I'm choosing to kind of play around in the space. I think this shit's so cool too. Like it's nerdy, like it's tech stuff. It's like all this blockchain bullshit is nerdy stuff, but I think it's really cool. Do you think there's the same barrier to entry for like legacy companies? Like let's let's keep using Starbucks, like the same barrier for them to go from using in-person marketing to actually getting an app 
and getting people onboarded into the app. People that may not even have phones yet. They're like, what the fuck is an app? Let's think like back to like to th- 2006 to 2010 was probably when that transition was made. Do you think it's the same level of effort and adoption that people are going to have to like take time to comprehend and like really get? Or do you think it's like less or more? I think it's probably the same. I think technically it's a little more complicated, but I think we're all technically more advanced than we were 10 years ago. Like we've all used smartphones and laptops and like Wi-Fi and cameras and Bluetooth and all this shit for 20 years now or whatever, like for us less, but like our parents, like they all started like using computers probably in college or like after in the early 2000s, like when we were little nuggets. So I think like most people these days have a lot of experience with technology. So we're, we pick up on new tech quicker and easier than we did 10 years ago. But I think this stuff's a little more complicated than like the first time you use a smartphone, like a smartphone's really intuitive. Like you open it up and it has a touch screen and you click on a button that says email and like there are places to type. Like that's pretty self-explanatory. Like adding a wallet and pasting addresses and all that's a little more complicated, but it's really not hard. Like you've done it and like, you're not a crypto guy. And like, it's not hard when you do it. It's, I think it's a little intimidating before you do it. When you like hear about it and you're like, wait, I need this new wallet and I have to transfer Solana from here to there. But like, once you do it, it's like, okay, actually adding this wallet to Google Chrome and then pasting a couple numbers to send Solana is actually really easy. Um, I think it's just a little intimidating. I think the effort to reward ratio is a little bit off still where it's like the idea of like downloading an app or even buying a phone in the first place. If you're like my grandma, like she got a phone in like 2018 or something like that. Like that's her, that was her first iPhone. Um, and she's like 77 or something like that. I don't fucking know. Um, Uh Yeah, like, sorry, Grandma, if you're listening to this. She's not. <laughs> she doesn't know what the podcast is. But like, there's just a huge value added in terms of convenience when you have a phone and you have the tools that are given to you by developers and big brands and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think that there's a big enough value add in terms of what crypto can do or NFTs can do for regular people for them to actually like go through the process of learning what a wallet is, learning what a MetaMask is, learning like getting familiar with all of this jargon yeah. for them to achieve or get what right now absolutely not um definitely not i think it's like kind of the chicken and the egg problem it's like crypto only grows as users grow like you need users of these different like chains and apps and NFT projects and people partaking, but you also need like better apps and projects and all that sort of stuff for these people to use for it to grow. Um, I don't know if you know about the app called Stepin. You might've seen it on Twitter or heard about it. It's like a walking app, but it's built on Solana. So like, it's called like step to earn or like move to earn or something. But basically you buy these NFTs that are NFT shoes. It's an iPhone app. So I have it on here. 
you buy these NFT shoes and then it tracks your movement. So you open up the app and click like walk or jog or whatever. You go for a walk, do your daily exercise. It tracks how much you walked and then you get paid in crypto for that movement. Um, the platform makes money through like transaction fees. When you buy and sell the NFT shoes, you can rent out the shoes, all that sort of stuff. So the company makes money and you can now go make money on your own by doing your daily exercise. Like everyone, like not everyone, but so many people have an Apple watch or Fitbit or one of those rings and they track 10,000 steps a day. Like imagine if for those 10,000 steps a day, you could make 15 bucks by like going out and tracking that and using this platform that makes money on its own by selling these NFTs and doing transactions. Like if you could just have an app on your phone that pays you 15 bucks a day to go walk, like I think there's utility in that. Like, and that is worth to me, like figuring out how to add a wallet. Like you don't even have to, you just download the app on your phone. So it's getting easier. Like use of NFTs and Web3 adoption when it hits the masses is not going to be MetaMask. It will not be adding MetaMask to your Google Chrome and sending you ETH from Binance or whatever, like the bullshit that we have to do right now to mint NFTs. It'll be downloading an app to your phone. Okay. So we're moving in that direction. That's so interesting. So, so like the way you get paid, is it like almost like some circular way of like you put money in. So it's like staked. And then by provide, like, is like, I, I just don't understand the economics of it. Like, how does that work? Yeah. So I'm like fully disclaimer. I'm not like an expert on the economics of this app either. Okay. Um, so I, I don't even want to try to go in and break it down. I can send you something later that kind of breaks it down more. Um, I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Like in this document, the lady, but I don't want to try to explain it. Cause if I mess it up, like then I look like an idiot. And, th- and then I also like taught 500 people or whoever listens to this, like the wrong way that it works. And I don't want to be responsible for that. <laughs> um, but you can link it in the show notes, this document, this like lady did a really good job of breaking it down pretty simply. Um, but I think like there are two things, a, the, barrier to entry of like using this technology has to come down like adding metamask and like all this bullshit we talked about is not super user friendly or easy to do like your 77 year old grandma is no shot in hell she's gonna do that like there's just no way and like so that has to come down it has to be as easy as installing an app on your phone and like putting in your email and now you have an account um it has to be that simple, which I think is what like these brands like Starbucks are doing. Like they're building it into their app that already exists. They're not making you make a new wallet or do any of this fancy shit. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then also the value you get from these things has to increase. Like a lot of NFT projects right now give you nothing. It's like you buy this picture on the off chance that like market hype might drive the price up and you might make money. That's like what 95% of NFT projects right now are like it's gambling. It's a way you might make money, which is dope because some people crush it. Like we know guys on Twitter that like myth does really well for himself, just flipping NFTs, which is really cool. But like, there's nothing real there. 
You it makes know? me so mad, dude. I, I was actually talking about this, I think it was with, with Ben. Or maybe it was with you. I can't remember. But like the idea that like when I was in high school, I used to like get pissed because like drug dealers were making like all this money. And like I was working at McDonald's doing it legally, making 14 bucks an hour. Yeah. I was like, God damn, bro. If like if I could only just deal drugs. And like guys like my um, I mean, like, I mean, we're both doing all right, but like he's running laps around us just by like fucking flipping JPEGs. And I have that same sort of feeling of like, do like how, how and why? Like, I don't know. And, but I still like, no matter how much money he makes, like he can say that he makes a million dollars a day. I will not go through the due diligence and like try and figure out how to do what he's doing. Cause I just like, at this point, I just like, don't care to learn. Um, yeah. He, he also like has a risk tolerance that I don't think most like normal people don't have. Like we've talked about it. He's lost five figures in a day too. Like I'm not down to do that. I'm not down to like enter trades where I could lose 30 grand in a day. I just don't have that risk tolerance. I think my risk tolerance is abnormally high, but it's not that high. Like to me, that's gambling. Now, Myth is a super smart kid and like he wins a lot more than he loses. So it it works out well for him. But like you got to be willing to put up with that. So like we look at it and think it's like all sunshine and rainbows and he just makes a shitload of money like flipping these pictures online. But like imagine the amount of stress you would have if you like lost 40 grand in a day because you made a bad bet on JPEGs. Like, is that worth going through? Depends. Depends on percentages and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it all depends. It also is like we can say yes until we're the one that just lost 40 grand in a matter of an hour. I think there's a difference between the way that we view money as business owners and the way that crypto dudes view money. And I don't I don't know if this is how Mythe views it. By the way, his name is pronounced Mythe, just so you know. No, it's Myth. No, it's Mythrian. <laughs> no, it's Myth. No, I know his name is actually Mythrian. I, I've hung out with him a bunch. Okay, all right. Yeah, he's from Houston, Houston, actually. Dude, I saw him in Miami, and I was like, your name's Mythrian, right? And he's like, oh my God, you pronounced it right the first try. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I mean, yeah. but on Twitter, he just puts M-Y-T-H, and it's yeah, like, man. it's Myth. I, I used to think it was Mythrian. <laughs> whatever like um, ethereum anyway, yeah like ethereum yeah <laughs> um i think that the difference between the way we view money and the way that crypto guys view money is like it's fucking fake like to us like the money that we make goes in our bank account or it goes to our team or it goes into like real life shit but like i know a lot of crypto dudes who like they'll take profits, but like, they'll just tether up. They never actually like see the money. Like they're living a normal, super low key life. Their expenses are like 3k a month. They don't really need money. They'll take it out when they need it. But like, they're just playing a video game where it's yeah. like, oh, fuck, I lost 40k. But it's like the same as like, if I lost 40k on one of my dumbass iPhone apps that I play all the time, um, where it just like, it just doesn't matter. Like you're going to make it back. So like 40 K if I, if I lost 40 K right now, I'd be fucking crying my eyes out. I'd be so upset, but like yeah. if it was crypto money and I've been, and I made all that money just by flipping shit in the first place. Like, I feel like I would have a different point of view on it. It's like pesos in Mexico on like a smaller scale. Like it felt <laughs> monopoly money, bro. 
like oh. actually when we we exchange what it i don't know a thousand bucks or 500 bucks into pesos and we were just throwing pesos around left and right just like buying all sorts of bullshit not caring at all like yeah. crypto's the same it's like it it isn't real money like it can be exchanged for real money but it's like it's fake um i feel the same way i'm not like fully a crypto guy like some of these guys we're talking about but like I feel the same with my crypto. Like I will go buy a stupid ass NFT that I'm not even going to flip. Like that I know is going to be worthless in a year, but I like the picture and I'll go buy it for $600 in crypto and just be like, damn, like I don't really care. But then you show me like an absolutely beautiful painting that I love that's 600 bucks. And I'm like, dude, I'm not paying 600 bucks yeah. for like real art. Like but like, like if I, it's if it's for Solana instead of in USD, it's like, <laughs> eh, it's just for Solana. Like, no, seriously, that, money. that's what I did in Mexico when you did season two. And I was like, just I just kept buying them up. Yeah, bro. Ben introduced me because like we were just in Charleston for people listening. And like Ben is like a celebrity in his town. And they all Ben like Ben is very open about what he does. Like when people ask about what I do, I don't really like say much because like I just don't see the point. Yeah. Ben is like, oh yeah, so I have this agency for basketball trainers and also I have internet kids. And so everyone knows internet kids until so they'll ask me, they're like, are you Harry? Are you the partner in uh, internet kids? I'm like, fuck no, I'm not Harry. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do I look like Harry? And they're like, oh wait, so you're not involved with internet kids? And I'm like, and Ben will always jump in and be like, no, he's not involved, but he, he's a whale. Like he has but like- he owns 18 of them. <laughs> yeah. And like, I remember when you did drop two, we were in the apartment and I just kept minting, minting, minting. Um, cause I was yeah. like, this is going to be the one, like, this is going to blow up. <laughs> yeah. You were keeping us alive, dude. And then I was going to say too, like, I checked my Binance for the first time. And I want to say like, since January, that was the last time I bought crypto, which was to buy internet kids. And, um, I think I had like, I don't know how much money I had in there, but I'm down like 5k. Um, and I like, don't care at all yeah dude i don't know if it's healthy or unhealthy but like money means nothing to me anymore like <laughs> like and it, maybe i sound super arrogant or cocky saying that and i don't mean that because i'm like not rich by any means like i take care of myself but i don't like just have a ton of money it just like i i, I think i was like 18 when i started managing ads for brands with like very significant amounts of revenue and very significant amounts of ad spend that like other kids my age like couldn't comprehend and when i first started doing it i couldn't comprehend it either like i i was mind blown by the fact that i was spending two thousand dollars a day for these brands like yeah. most 18 year olds do not have two thousand dollars period I was spending $2,000 a day, like on behalf of all these brands, like several brands. And like some of them were spending more than that running ads. And I just got totally desensitized to money. Like for the first three months of like running ads for real brands, like I would check Shopify every day and it would be like a $6,000 day. And I'd be like, that's all right. And then we'd have an $8,000 day and I'd be like, dude, that's sick. Like great day today. <laughs> and then it would be like 5,000 and I'd be like, damn dude, today sucks. And then it would be like 9,000. And I'm like, yes, dude, we're crushing it today. 
and then like after a couple months of that, like I stopped checking like how much revenue we were doing. I just focused on ad metrics because that's all that really mattered and all I could control based on my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the money had no effect over me at all. And I just became totally insensitized to big numbers. And then we would do like a 20K day and it would be like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, dude, it's like watching porn. And, and I don't know if that's bad or good. Like, I, I think it serves multiple purposes, but I had a moment just like that, which is actually so funny because it was also because of uh, e-commerce where yeah. I, um, when I, when I was working at Structured um, under the, the legend Chase Diamond, um, mm-hmm. I, there, it was a, it was a big enough team at that point where like, there were people in there that I didn't know. And there was one media buyer who was on the paid side. Cause it was like two sides. It was paid and email. And I was obviously on the email side. And then, um, on the paid side, there was this guy, this media buyer who wanted to learn a little bit more about email. Didn't realize that I was only a copywriter at the agency, but still wanted to like talk about email marketing. And I was like, Hey, I don't know shit about email. Cause I'm like, I just started here, but like, <laughs> sure. Let's chat. And then, so he was going to talk to me about paid ads. And so we were on zoom for like two hours. It was such a great conversation. And he opened up some of the ad accounts that he was running at the agency. And like, this is when structured started to get like really like uh, really popular. And like a lot of big brands were starting to use them. And I won't say which brand it was, but he showed me one over zoom that like they were literally spending a million dollars a month and making 2.6 back. And I was, that's when I realized I was like, holy shit money isn't even real like it it didn't feel real because it's like there's no way that that's real money that they're spending a million dollars a month on ads and it's yeah. and, and they're still profitable and these guys were like two dudes from the south like they weren't like these they weren't like um what you'd think of as like savage business owners that are doing like seven figures a month like just absolutely crushing it, eight figures a year um but like that was crazy to me and then i would see clavio screenshots sent in by the account managers and it would be, there was this other brand, um, also won't name names, but they were from Canada and they, their office was located like a 20 minute drive away from my house at the time. And they were doing like quarter million a month just from Clavio. And I was like, holy shit. Like it, these people are so physically close to me that it's like, there's that kind of money yeah. going into their household. Obviously I don't know how much of that was profit. Um, but like that. Yeah. There's been a couple moments where it's just been like, holy shit, like you're exactly right. Like money is just play. Yeah. It's all fake, <laughs> which is wild. I so mean, how does but, that affect but, the but, but on the now. other side, like it's important. Like I think the idea that money is not important is like clown shit. Like it's important. Like you to live a good life, you definitely need to make money for sure. Um, but I think some guys in our space, way over index on like the only thing they ever try to do is make as much money as possible and it's like it's all fake dude oh you have a bigger number than me like big whoop <laughs> like yeah dude it's not about the size of the number it's about the motion of the ocean you know what i'm saying yeah and yeah we're both we're both uh big my first million fans i listen to like almost every episode same i love them there was an episode that i don't know if you heard this let me know if this is familiar to you but I listened to this maybe a couple of weeks ago. It was talk. It was Sean talking about how like, I mean, this is different because he's obviously he. I think he's worth like twenty something million. Like he's doing just fine. Nah, um, he's worth a lot, bro. I think. I, I don't know. I think he's worth more than Sam. 
No, I don't think so, dude. I, th- I think so. Maybe not yet. Maybe on paper. Yeah, I don't know. I Googled it. This is a year ago. He was worth like 16 mil, but that was- Those are all fake, dude. Yeah, that was after his like one exit where he sold to Twitch or something, whatever. Anyway, um, he talked about how like money just isn't that important to him anymore. And like when he thinks about like the quality of his life, he just thinks about how he could design like the perfect day where it's like a good life is literally just living a series of perfect days over and over and over and over again, whatever that is by your standards. So in his case, it's like when he was our age, he was probably spending, you know, 16 hours a day in the office working on his startup. And that was like what he wanted to do because he had to get to a certain point. But now his, his perfect day, quote unquote, is like work a little bit in the morning, take some calls in the afternoon, go to the gym, hang out with your family, go outside, and then go to bed and then get nine hours of sleep and then do it all over again. Something like that, right? That's not exactly word for word, but like when you stop thinking about things in terms of like how much money can you possibly make and just think of like, if I could design this day, like so it's Sunday night and you have to design your Monday, top to bottom, every single thing that I'm gonna do, what would make it absolutely perfect? And then just do that. And as an entrepreneur, you can do that where it's like you have so much more this is kind of going back to what you talked about before where it's like there is so much more within your control as an entrepreneur compared to someone who's making you know maybe 10 times what we're making at goldman sachs doing investment banking as an svp right yeah so yeah it's so crazy dude it seems so sick to like make a bunch of money as an investment banker like i i'd be the most unhappy human being on earth like it doesn't matter how much money I was making. I could be making like five mil a year, but like if I have to go in and do like boring ass work, 70 hours a week, like what are you even going to do with that money, bro? You don't even have time to spend the money. Like it's nuts to me. It's crazy. I would rather make like a hundred grand a year and work like one or two hours a day and then do whatever I want the rest of the day. Like it's Mm -hmm. a way, 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 way more fulfilled, more fun life in my opinion. Um, But I think the key is balance, bro. If you want it, like I want it. Like I do want to be wealthy. I do want to like own a sick lake house that costs several million dollars. Like to do that, you, you have to run a large business or like have some stupid job for 30 years, like being a doctor, a lawyer, investment banker, whatever, not even for 30 years, but like for a while. So like business is the way for me to do that. And I want it. Like I know for a fact, there's going to have to be very focused work for an extended period of time at some point before I achieve those goals for sure. But also like there are times like right now for the next year where I think I'm going to way prioritize like travel and fun over making a bunch of money. Um, And I think you just got to find your balance that works for you at that certain time in your life. Um, And I think being like introspective and thinking about your life long term is like a real thing, bro. Cause like so many people like die with regrets and it's cause like you think, Oh, I'll work, 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 get rich and then enjoy my life. But it's like, so many people get caught in a cycle where that then I'll enjoy my life never comes. Like they never make a change. 
Um, they never go on those trips or travel or do that thing that they wanted to do. So I'm trying to do it now while I like know that I can. And life's short, dude. Like every time I get into my car, I could die. You know? Yeah, I like, mean, like knock on wood, but like if people knew how you drive, they'd be like fucking knocking on wood too. Dude, <laughs> I'm not going to disclose exact numbers, but I was driving over to my buddy's, like his girlfriend's friend's lake house the other day. And it was out here in the Texas Hill Country, windy ass roads. I was coming off this highway. It was like windy, but like pretty big lanes, big shoulders. So I was like moving. I was doing triple digits and I turned off this highway onto a little bit of a smaller road, but it didn't seem that small. And the speed limit went down from like 65 to like 40. And I, so I slowed down a little bit. But then it like opened up to a pretty straight part. So I hit the gas. I was going triple digits again in a 40 and out of nowhere, crazy left-hand turn comes up, slam the brakes as hard as I could go down from like a number that starts with one has a two in the middle and ends with like a five, <laughs> but I won't say the exact number. <laughs> And then it was 1205 miles an hour. <laughs> Yo, slam on the brakes from there, coming into this turn, yank the wheel. And I was an inch from flying off the road. Like, God bless my soul, dude. It was wild. It was by far the closest I've been to losing that car and probably my life. But it was wild. I I had nowhere to go with that story, but wild day. It was <laughs> so fun yeah, though. Man. Like the adrenaline rush you get from that is crazy dog. As long as you can like hold on and not decapitate yourself and wrap your car around a tree. It's wild. Uh, but not for real. Like I try to not die for the most part, but like any of us could die. Like we could get cancer and die next year. Like it's not fun to think about that shit, but it's like a reality. And I don't want to spend like, all day, every day, clicking at my computer, if that's like an actual possibility in life. So I think balance is important. And balance is a spectrum. Like fucking Luke, back to him. I think he does a good job. Like he makes a bunch of money, but he also has fun. Like he trains MMA and hangs out with his girl and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think like being too far on one extreme is not not a good uh idea i think it's all about what you need dude like there there are times like right now i'm in a phase where it's like i don't mind working most of the time right like yeah for, from like eight to five or six yeah when my brain is in work mode sometimes even later like sometimes i'll be working until like nine or ten not because i have to but because i want to yeah um, and then there will be a time one day where maybe i have some big liquidity event and uh i end up doing nothing for like a year like literally doing nothing not even opening my laptop that would be nice um but you do know, you think I, you'd get bored probably but i'd have to see it like you know what i mean like i don't you you can't really tell me anything like i have to experience something first yeah. and let it bite me yeah. before i believe it just because like i have a I'm a Taurus, dude. 
I'm, I'm the Taurus. same, bro. I'm a Taurus with uh, Sagittarius rising, so that's just the way I am. I'm Sagittarius, and I heard Gatorade was in retrospect right now, so I feel <laughs> the exact same. Yeah, dude. <laughs> We're going to yeah. get lit up by all the crystal girls that listen to this, dude. Like our DMs are going to be like, how dare you disrespect the moon <laughs> with that bullshit ass podcast? Yeah. Hopefully no crystal girls are listening. Um, Damn, I hope some are like shout out crystal girls. Any of you crystal girls slide in my DMs. Just don't hate. Like I'm open-minded dog. I'll listen about Gatorade and retrospect or whatever's going on right now. <laughs> How you liking uh, BJJ? I love it, dude. I love it. I love uh, fighting. Low job. I, I I never talk about it, but I used to be super competitive with judo. I got second place at the Junior Olympics when I was like a lot younger, and I quit like probably six or seven years ago. So I haven't done it in a long time. But I used to be super competitive in judo, um, and I got to this point where I like got, I kind of got bored of it and achieved my goal. Like my goal always was to like just medal in the junior Olympics. And I got second and I was like, dope. I did what I wanted to do here. Like I'm going to go play another sport. So I played lacrosse, which was fun. Um, but I didn't realize how, like, I don't know what it is. I didn't feel like I was missing anything in life. But like now that I go back and fight, jujitsu is very similar to judo. Um, but I just feel like something was missing for all these years that I didn't fight. Like some primal like joy that I get every time I fight, even when I lose. Like when you're a beginner in a martial art and you go in and you do any sort of sparring, like you're going to get your ass whooped, which is so sick. Like I actually love that aspect of like new learning, new things, not even just in fighting. Um, but like anyone can attest to it. You can go in being like hella strong, like in way better shape than some dude. But if he's been fighting and training this art for 10 years, he's going to kick your ass. Like you just don't stand a chance. Um, so like going in, starting a new sport that like, I have a decent background in judo. So I have a base skill set for jujitsu, but I'm still like very much so a beginner and just going in and like having that humility of knowing that I don't know anything. And I just have to like be patient and try and learn and like, listen to people that know what they're doing is a dope feeling. I really enjoy it. That's really cool. Um, is this something that you think you're going to do long-term or is it hop around in different martial arts? No, I think I'm going to do jujitsu long-term at the place I go to. We've been training some Muay Thai as well, like some striking stuff, which is really fun. I love striking as well, but I haven't trained striking like almost at all. I've done like a couple boxing lessons and then we've done Muay Thai a few times at this gym. Um, that's something I'm not interested in doing like all the time forever, but I think I'll do jujitsu probably off and on for the rest of my life. Like I already know I'm leaving Austin in like two weeks and going to Houston for a couple weeks. I'll probably try to find somewhere to train there, but then like in New York city for three or four weeks, I know I won't train for that time, which is fine. But like, it's something I definitely want to keep doing. Um, it's great exercise. It's like, out here i'm staying on the lake so like 
40 minutes outside of Austin. So I'm not like going to hang out with my Austin friends like very often, but like I'm training four or five times a week here and it's dope to just like go hang out with other cool people. Like everyone at this gym has been super friendly and really cool guys. So it's like dope to just hang out with other people and like do an activity. Um, it's great for social stuff, fitness, like, um, I don't know the mental clarity you get after a good fight is unreal too. Just like, like it clears your mind, right? You can't think of anything else, but what's going on right there when you're fighting, which is cool. Yeah. It's like almost its own version of like runner's high. You ever run? I hate running. I have, but I hate it. I don't do it. Didn't we go run in Mexico in Playa? Oh my God, bro. I was so fucking fat back then. That was horrible. That was miserable, dude. I know. You and Ben were like literally 100 yards ahead of me the entire time. Yeah. And then at the end, we raced and I dusted him. But then, like, last 20 yards, I felt bad. So I let him win. <laughs> Tough. Bro. Dude, um, my mom. You saw me after that. I was miserable the rest of the day. I was like, fucking. Oh my God, dude. You know what it was? I because was dead. Ben... No, me and Ben went on Monday. And we ran without you because you were you were making content. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then the next day you you wanted to go on the run. And I was like, dude, I'm so fucking sore. Like, I won't be able to do anything. And Ben was like kind of halfway and halfway out. And you were like, come on, I'm David Goggins. <laughs> yes, dude. Yeah, you were like you were doing you were spitting David Goggins quotes at me. Who's going to carry the boats? <laughs> dude, that run was so fun. I and was- then. No, oh, and then and then we ran. I reluctantly ran. And then the next day, I was like, how do you feel, Swales? And you were like, I feel like absolute garbage. And I was like, okay, now you understand <laughs> what happened to David Goggins, dude. And then Yeah, my yeah. legs were shot. I was tired. It was horrible. I hate running so much. But I have had runners high before. Yeah. I, I take shorter runs now. Like I'll literally just run on the treadmill for like 10 minutes yeah at a leisurely pace yeah because i'm just not going blood pumping i can stop whenever i want which is my favorite thing where it's like if i map out a route and i feel like i don't want to finish it then you i'm can, like stranded <laughs> yeah what are you gonna do walk back and yeah like, you just gotta finish it but like on the treadmill yeah. it's like you're in the same place but yeah. um my mom has been doing jiu-jitsu for almost i think probably 10 years now maybe 11 years she's a purple belt and that's sick she uh, she would hate it if i disclosed her age but she's in between the years of 49 and 51. got it <laughs> somewhere in between there um and she like is in killer shape she's like very mobile um like yeah like i think like there's something about jiu-jitsu where it's like you know if you're boxing like you can't you, you will get fucking hurt often, like every time you step into the cage or the ring mm-hmm. for sparring. Um, but with jujitsu, it's like you can go as hard as you want. And as long as you're practicing good technique, no one's actually going to get seriously hurt unless it's yeah. like an accident. But like with boxing, that's a feature, not a bug. You're supposed to get hurt. Yeah. But with jujitsu, it's like you can go as hard as you want and basically practice what it would feel like to kill someone. And then as soon as they're, as soon as they tap out, you let go and you get yeah, it. Yeah, like you'll have discomfort for sure. Like 
when someone puts you in an arm bar and applies pressure, like it's going to hurt, but like you tap, like you're not going to get injured. I mean, people do get injured all the time, but like that's because they're going too hard or not great form or whatever. But yeah, it's dope to like be able to do something where you like have real combat and feel all of that and feel the discomfort and like a little bit of pain and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get your fucking face punched in every four seconds, like boxing. Like, do you, do you think you're ever going to compete in jujitsu? Yeah, absolutely, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, which is part of the reason I like, I don't want to travel a ton. Um, there, there's a trade-off here. Number one, I think it would possibly be the coolest thing ever to like spend the next year traveling the world and training jujitsu in all these crazy places. Like I want to go to Brazil and train jujitsu. And I want to go to Japan where like the art was invented and trained jujitsu. Like that seems like the coolest thing ever to me. Um, But at the same time, like to really train well, like for competition, like you want to be consistent. You want to be at one gym with some training partners and like, like that's probably the best option to train for competition. Um, but I think like, I'm going to compete at a white belt level. Like you compete at different levels and then also at different weights. I'm super light. Like I'm pretty small. So I'll compete in like the lightest or second lightest weight division at like a white belt level, probably for the next like year or two. Um, especially if I keep traveling around, like I also won't get promoted to a blue belt if I'm not consistent at one gym for like a long time. Right. So like, I'll probably be able to compete as a white belt in like the beginner division for a long, long time. Um, and I think I'd love that dude. Like also competitions. I don't know if you know much, but I've looked into it. Like they're, yes, you win with a submission, but they're also like, there are points, right? So you get points for takedowns, you get points for like passing guard and like neon belly and mount and all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. um and like because of my judo background i'm super confident that i could like win a lot of that stuff even though my submission game isn't like crazy good yet because i've only done jujitsu for a month now yeah. but, like when i go fight blue belts and stuff at this gym like when we roll like i've had great takedowns on blue belts and purple belts at this gym already because i know judo yeah. Um, and you start on your feet in the competition. I've competed twice. Yeah. I did one, I did one in-house and I did one. It was like provincial, which is like, how'd you do? So in-house, I actually won, um, my... in my division, which was sick. And are you a, a white belt or blue? Uh, I was, a, I was a kid. So there was like grades in between. There was like yellow and green and all that. Y- yeah. It's more like karate, but I competed with, so there was white belts and then gray and yellow and i competed with gray and yellow i was gray um and yeah so i i won that one i was actually pretty good when i was like 13 14 and then i went provincial and i lost i like first bracket because i i went with this kid we were both uh white belts or i was gray but it was like white basically because like only my gym really did that so they put me in with white belts but this kid he was a white belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but he was a, a brown belt in Japanese jiu-jitsu. And I went up a weight class because I was like super small back then. I was like 125 and nobody was in 125. So I had to go up to 130 
And I think I weighed in at like 124. So I was like fighting this kid who was like five foot 11 and I was like five, two back then. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I, I got clobbered. Like the kid was all over me. I think I did get some points, but like it was inevitable. I think I just pulled guard and I just wanted to see how long I could hold out. Yeah. So when I fought the kid at the junior Olympics, like for the gold medal match, it was this Russian kid. And like, he won the match before it even started. Like, <laughs> like his name was infamous in my like age and weight group, like around the country. He had won gold for like the past three years in that group or whatever at the junior Olympics. Um, and he was a Russian kid and he was just terrifying. So like mentally I was defeated and then I went out there and he whooped my ass and you sit in these chairs, like as the next match about to go on next to the kid, you're about to fight. And we, I was just like, Hey, blah, 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 whatever. And he was like, do you play call of duty? And I was like, nah, not really. Like I don't play video games. And he's like, damn, I love fucking killing people in call of duty. And we were like 13 or something like <laughs> And I was just like, oh, that sounds fun. And he's like, yeah, the best things in life are like killing people in judo and killing people in Call of Duty. And I was like, what is going on? And then we walked out there and he fucking murdered me. Oh, my um, God. That's crazy, yeah. bro. That's like yeah. Rocky Four. It was wild. <laughs> it was nuts, dude. I wish there should have been a documentary about that. Yeah. Which Call of Duty was it? Because I think there were a couple where it was like America versus Russia. It was definitely one of those. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't remember Americans. exactly what he said, but I'm sure he was talking about he I'm sure he was specifically like killing Americans in judo <laughs> and Call of Duty. Like he was. Yeah, he was playing mind games and they worked, bro. Yeah, they worked. it was wild. I definitely want to compete, though. I just have a competitive nature. Like I think most people do like yeah why doesn't that translate to business how does it why why doesn't it translate to business because i already know it doesn't for you i don't know i think it used to um but i see business like more as a tool it's because i see business as a tool to like let me live the life i want to live that's all business is to me. Like, yeah, business is kind of a game. It's kind of a sport. And like money you make is the is the point system, which is cool. And I do look at it like that sometimes. Like I definitely have a little bit of a competitiveness in business, but not like as much as most people, I think. Um, I, think I, also equation, like I think the equation is a little bit different for business where it's like revenue is definitely the best indicator for how well you're doing, like how much value you're providing. But I think in terms of quality of life, like that definitely helps because like if someone's making, you know, a million dollars a year with their business and you're making 900K and you're working a quarter of the hours that they're working, who's winning, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that's more so the competitiveness, but also like, I don't know, it's just so different. Like sports are just naturally so like one-on-one -on -one competitive. It's also like structured to be a competition in sport. Like that's literally just what it is. Whereas business is like, you kind of have to make it a competition for it to be. And like, I just don't make it a competition necessarily. Um, but the lifestyle thing's huge. Like I think I'm winning in business, not because I'm making the most money, but because I run a business that like, I, I, I like 
doing and it allows me to live the lifestyle I want to live. Um, it's definitely a different mindset though. But I'm competitive in a lot of things. What else? You Sports, driving, bro. Like if oh, you yeah. catch me on the road and you're in front of me, you won't be for long. Like <laughs> that's just how it works. Um, what else am I competitive at? I don't know. I don't know. Being better than Ben Bader at pretty much everything. <laughs> um, like that's definitely one of the things I'm competitive at. Shout out Benny Boo. Shout shout out Ben Bader, man. I like yeah. I actually love that kid. Um like he he is like a really like easy dude to travel with because like he just doesn't get stressed. I'm sure that you have more stories about times where he's like <laughs> fucking pissed you off when you're traveling, but like Ben hasn't like actually pissed me off. And we've been to multiple different places together. Um, obviously we were in Mexico all together in January. In February, him and I went to Charleston with Sanjay. And then just this past week, we went to New York for a day and then we went to Charleston for a week. And the only criticism, if Ben's listening, if this was a Yelp review, um, talks about funnels a lot. <laughs> Just obsessed with funnels. <laughs> yeah. I definitely have some stories about when Ben and I got into some real arguments, but we just talk shit to each other all the time. But that's our friendship, dude. Like, yeah. Ben, we've talked about it. We talked about it a couple weeks ago where like people see us and probably think we like hate each other, but it's all love. Like we're great friends. We just chirp each other all the time. And it goes both ways. Like he talks shit about me and I talk shit about him, but we're good friends. You like traveling alone though. Um, I do. So you, want, you said you wanted to go to Asia by yourself. Do you think you could do that? Dude, I've thought about that a lot, actually. I, I don't know. I was thinking about it literally yesterday while I was hiking um, because I'm pretty introverted. Like, I think you're similar. Like, we both can have a great time hanging out with friends or going out. Like I do enjoy that for sure. Um, but like probably less so than most people. Like if I, if I'm with a bunch of people, I want to go out like maybe once a week, like tops, like these people that go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like three, four nights a week. I just can't do it. Um, and like I have before, but I just don't enjoy it. Um, so like I'm pretty introverted. And like, I've taken a couple mostly solo trips in the past and like been cool on my own, been chilling, either like made new friends or just like, didn't really have a need to, to, to make new friends. Like I'd go out to restaurants and like chat up the waiter or whatever. And like, you know, have a little social interaction, but like, I don't need to hang out with friends all the time. Um, but then also like in Utah, when I was there for like three or four weeks, totally on my own like I just made new friends. Like I went to a couple crypto events and like met new guys that were really chill. And like, we became good friends. Now three, three of them, I think are coming out to Austin like next week. Um, and I'm going to hang out with them. Like That's sick. I, can, I can definitely meet new people on my own. So like solo traveling is like, I think definitely a, a viable option for me. And like, I just don't have a, a high social need of like, needing to be with people the thing is with asia like i want to do a lot in asia i want to go to like a lot of countries and spend like decent time in each one like 
Japan, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, like maybe China, South Korea. And like, if I wanted to do that and spend real time in every country, I'd have to be over there for like six months and doing that without like friends would like, that might be too much for me. So I'm not totally sure. I totally agree with what you said about solo trips where it's like, if you're just going to another city for a little bit to explore. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. Like, dude, when I went to Dallas, um, it, I, I, it was amazing. Like, I know you hate Dallas. Do you think it's the asshole of Texas? Yeah. It's but like, we went from Mexico to Miami. Um, and like within that time, like I had been on, I, I tweeted this the other day, a 16 day bender with D like mm-hmm. we went out every single night Crazy. that he was there in Mexico, almost every single night. And then three nights in a row in Miami. And I hadn't slept in like two weeks. And then I went to Dallas. And the first night there, I got in my Airbnb. It was a beautiful Airbnb. Um, I had a dope car. It was a great drive. Like it was a nice city down to my, my Airbnb. I wasn't like downtown or anything. I was in kind of this like weird sub neighborhood, kind of uptown. And um, I slept for like 10 hours. And I think like there were like three or four days that I was there before I ended up going to see this girl that I knew down there. And like, I remember that being one of the highlights of that whole two month long trip that I took. So fun, just because you can make your own schedule and environment. It was amazing. I, I'm so introverted, dude, but like, yeah. I still do enjoy like talking to people. Same. It's cool. I think also like given my like networking abilities, I guess. And then also just like internet kids and Twitter and stuff like I can kind of meet people online that are anywhere in the world. Like if I'm in Bali and like want to meet other entrepreneurs, like I know a couple group chats I can go into that are full of online entrepreneurs that I can be like, yo, is anyone in Bali? And like somebody will be like, yeah, I'm here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I can like go hang out with them. Like it's not hard to meet new people and stuff. Um, whether it's online or just like, going to a co-working space or some little event or something and just like meeting people um travels more fun with friends though for sure it's just like tough like if i go to asia for six months like none of my friends are gonna go to asia for six months like i'm sure i've got some friends that i know i could get to come out for like a couple weeks maybe or like maybe a month which is dope but like nobody's coming to Asia for six months with me. And I don't really want to go to Asia for six months with like a, a group of people or one other person. Like, I don't know. There would be, I mean, after like Ben and I did uh, Florida, Tulum, Playa del Carmen by the third month, like we went to a new city in Mexico and we got our own Airbnbs. Cause I was just like, dude, it's been a ton of fun, but like, I need a little space on my own. Like I can work better on my own. I like, just need to chill for a little while, like traveling with you. Like we stayed in two bed apartments for like three months in a row, which was fun, but it was like, I I need my like total alone time just for a while. So we were like 10 minute bike ride away. So we hung out like every other day or something, but it was, I I just needed my own space. So like, I don't think I'd even want to travel with someone long-term again. Yeah. So dude, do you have a vision of where you want to be in like five, 10 years? No, it changes all the time. Like I've thought about that so many times and it just, it always changes, right? Like I could throw something out there and it, 
it'll be different in six months or a year. Like everything changes all the time. So I don't even like put those visions out there. Like I know a few things I want out of life for sure. Um, I want to get married to a cute little blonde girl, have a nice little family. I want to own a lake house. The blonde girl that, uh, that I'm thinking about? The blonde girl that we know and love? Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. You're thinking about the one that's here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, definitely not. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Not that one. What a happened? different one that... What? What happened? I thought you were... No, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> See, dude, things change all the time. I go back and forth. I can't make up my mind. Definitely not her. I don't want to marry her. Um, but a cute little blonde girl, want to marry her, want to have a cool family. And I want to own a lake house um, at some point and like own a boat, a, a wakeboarding boat and like a couple of jet skis. That's it. And I want to travel a ton. Like I literally want to travel the earth, bro. Like Asia, South America, Africa, Europe, like everywhere. I want to just like see it all, like meet all these people, like experience everything. Like right now, the way I weigh the success of my life, I tweeted about this recently is like based on experiences and adventures. Like I think about the best times of my life and like the month when I made the most money is nowhere near the top of the list. Like the, the best times in my life are like the five weeks I spent out in Utah snowboarding every other day and like making new friends that are like crazy smart crypto guys. And I learned a ton and just like had so much fun. And I was also out there with some of my best friends for the first week or two weeks. Um, and then those months we spent in Mexico, like immense fun. I met so many people like we jet skied and went snorkeling and like went out to clubs three nights in a row. Like what an experience, you know, that yeah. was, that's way, way higher than the month when I made the most money I've made, like on my list of like life that I've enjoyed. Um, so I just want to maximize experience over the next five to 10 years and like make money. And I don't think those are uh, like, um mutually exclusive i think they can happen together that's thanks pretty much Harry Wells. thanks for coming on cardinal cast brother really appreciate yeah, it of course dude thank you for having me if any y'all want to launch an nft project hit me up <laughs> on twitter at harry swales biz hit him up peace peace yeah i know only want to get the job done. job done i don't know a nigga that could cover for me cover for yeah Got some game from my days, so she might say she love me, she don't love me like she say she love me. Hey. Believe me, believe me, believe me. I'm that nigga boy that love me in the street, in the street. I'm not trying to find nobody else to be, else to be. I know one they kinda see because they are. Believe me, yeah. Rip, rip, rip. It's been me and Young Tune off the rip. That's the man that put me in the shit. If a nigga.